Acts chapter 12, verses 1 through 17. About that time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. This was during the days of unleavened bread. And when he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Now when Herod was about to bring him out, on that very night Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains. The sentries before the door were guarding the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him, saying, Get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, Dress yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and followed him. He did not know that what was being done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they had passed the first and second guard, they came to the iron gate leading into the city. It opened for them of its own accord. And they went out and went along the street, and immediately the angel left him. When Peter came to himself, he said, Now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all the Jewish people, all that the Jewish people were expecting. When he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. And when he knocked at the door of the gateway, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. Recognizing Peter's voice, in her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. They said to her, you are out of your mind. But she kept insisting that it was so. And they kept saying, it is his angel. But Peter continued knocking. And when they opened, they saw him and were amazed. But motioning to them with his hand to be silent, he described to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, Tell these things to James and to the brothers. Then he departed and went to another place. Let's pray. I feel like I just need to take a deep breath before I start. Father, I thank you sincerely that you are here to help me. Thank you for your word that was just read. Thank you for your word, God. I ask you to use it to change us today. 
Give us ears to hear it. And Holy Spirit, help it to connect with where we live and breathe this day. I love you, Father. Thank you for what you want to teach us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I've just entitled my message today, Pray With Me. It's been said that there's no subject you can preach on that, that can more easily produce guilt than prayer. Well, today my subject is prayer, but my goal is not guilt. My goal today is to increase your faith in the power the possibilities of prayer. I also desire to raise your expectancy and your excitement as to what God will do if we pray together in one accord. My message today is not so much a teaching as it is a reminder, an encouragement, an exhortation to be faithful in prayer. <laughs> this next part might not surprise you, but I'd like to start this morning by memorizing a verse together. Eight words, because it summarizes my message today. And if you don't go home with anything else but this, this verse, you will have the message in a nutshell. The verse comes from Colossians 4.2. It says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Eight words. Say it with me as best you can. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Let's do it one more time. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. My message today is in the form of three questions. Question number one, should we pray? Well, it seems like we could just give a hearty yes and amen to that question and move on. But I want to remind you first and encourage you with three illustrations. One from the Old Testament, one from the New Testament that we just read, and one from today. The prayer truly makes a difference. First illustration comes from Exodus chapter 17. I'm going to turn there with you. Exodus chapter 17. Fairly familiar story. But a very vivid illustration of the power of prayer. Exodus 17 beginning in verse 8. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, Choose some of your men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow... I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered, and Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning, but whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up. One on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady until sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this on a scroll as something to be remembered, and make sure that Joshua hears it, because I will completely blot out the memory of Amalek 
from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called it, The Lord is my banner. He said, For, the, for hands were lifted up to the throne of the Lord, and the Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. Joshua and his men were fighting the battle in the valley. But the victory was won on the mountaintop. What happened that day? Was God's response to prayer. Notice in verse verse 14 how God wanted Moses to write down what happened that day from the perspective of the mountaintop. And to be sure, to be sure that Joshua heard about it. He needed to, Joshua needed to know the important truth. It comes from Proverbs 21:31 when it says, The horse is made ready for the day of battle, but victory rests with the Lord. Joshua was being trained to be the next leader of Israel. Moses would take Joshua with him to the tent of meeting. Turn over a few pages to Exodus 33. Beginning in verse 7. It says, Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And when Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrances to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshipped, each at the entrance to his tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. Then Moses would return to the camp But his young aide Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Joshua witnessed Moses speaking with God as with a friend, face to face. He didn't want to leave that place. Joshua was learning to inquire of God, to follow his instructions, and to give him all the glory for each and every victory. Joshua had no idea what was ahead for him, what God was preparing him for. But he was learning some important lessons that would come to play, come to play later in his life. My second illustration comes from the New Testament, and Scott just read it for us, so we don't have to reread the whole story right now, from Acts chapter 12. The situation, King Herod had arrested Peter, and just before that, He had arrested James and had him killed. He saw that it pleased the Jews, so he went and arrested Peter. I'm sure intending to do the same for him. He was in prison, guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. His intention was to kill Peter. The church's response in verse 5, they gathered together, and earnestly prayed. 
God's response? <laughs> he dispatched an angel and miraculously released Peter from prison. The church's response? When Peter came to the door and knocked? That, that can't be Peter. It must be his angel. They were astonished. Now, I won't be too hard on the people that gathered to pray there that night. Because not long after Kay and I moved to Fall City several years ago, we had a weekly prayer gathering at our house. There was a couple that came to that, those meetings that brought little cards. On those cards were, were the names of pastors in the Soviet Union who were in prison. They prayed earnestly that those pastors would be released. I prayed with them, but that couple brought faith into that room. I must confess that when God opened the prison doors in Russia, or the Soviet Union back then, and those pastors were released, the Soviet Union was dismantled and broken apart. And the word of God for a window of time was welcomed even into the schools in Russia. I was astonished. God had done a miracle. I won't say, oh ye of little faith, I'll say, oh me of little faith. I've also invited Larry to come up for just a minute and share an illustration from today or the last few days of the power of prayer. So Larry, would you come up and share for just a moment? Good morning. I've learned to take this little piece of equipment I laid down on that counter, something I absolutely hated that my wife drug out of my hands, my little flip phone. I held on to that for dear life, and she was found determined to get me one of these smartphones. I finally surrendered because they told me my flip phone was broke and they wasn't going to fix it, so I had to get one. I took this piece of equipment and I found out there was a Bible app on that thing and the Lord has blessed me with being able to use that to reach out to about 130 people every day for over three years now. Every morning, sometime between five o'clock in the morning and seven o'clock in the morning, I send out a Bible devotion with that piece of equipment that I hated. I tore a page out of the playbook and fed it right back to him. And they receive it with joy. The other way I've learned to use this piece of machinery is, is people will text me often and say, I need prayer for so-and-so. They're going through such and such. And I type a prayer and send it back to them. I could do this without crying away, but no problems. We have a dear friend in the dawns, and my little wife at Safeway is a butterfly. She floats around in there, and the Spirit of the Lord is over her, and the people are drawn to her like flies, and she comes home and I don't know why they keep coming up and talking to me. I thought, honey, I know why they keep coming up and talking to you. You're light in a dark room, for goodness sake. You know? This one particular girl just found a real passion for Dawn and anything she could do for Dawn. And this you know, poor little old gal covered with tattoos from head to toe. But loves the Lord. Not really. Didn't know the Lord. But loved Dawn. 
And I said, she loves the Lord through you, baby. You just don't know it. She ended up giving us a headboard and a dresser for our apartment that we were renting out for traveling nurses that's living in our home with us off and on. And they, she had her brother-in-law and her cousin or somebody bring it to us. Had antennas all over them and tattoos all over them. But boy, they just loved to stand around and visit with us. And we talked for, I don't know, half hour, 45 minutes. I left her room and I walked up in the hallway and I prayed, Lord, if I end up with them three people in this house for a Bible study, I'll just be tickled to death. Bring them on, Lord. I just love to see that happen. The little gal ended up in the hospital the other day and my wife told me she was in the hospital and she's got some type of a throat cancer. We didn't know it was coming up on her and all of a sudden it just happened. And she couldn't talk. And she texted Dawn and told her she couldn't talk, so she said, I can't, you know, but I, I just want to let you know what was going on. I asked Dawn to give me her contact information that morning, and she gave it to me. And the best way for me to explain this to you is I just typed this prayer to her. I said, sweet girl, Dawn gave me your contact info. We love you, and I'm praying for you right now. Precious Lord, your word says, your ways are not our ways. Lord, though your words also says that you hear and answer our prayers. Lord, our dear friend Angie is before you right now with the health conditions that are mysterious and scary to her and all of us who love her. But Lord, we bring her before you because you created us, every one. And according to the 139th Psalm, when you formed us and created us in, the mother, in our mother's womb, so as a creator who you know what this young woman needs to be healed. So Jesus, in your name, as your authority, healed when you were here walking among men. We thank you for the authority you've given us through your spirit. Lord, comfort her with your peace. So she will know that you know and you are providing her healing. The doctors are sending the wisdom you give each one of them for the purpose. Guide and direct them in your wisdom and put Angie, our friend, who is like an angel to us, to be back on her feet, touching people with her laughter and kindness, bringing goodness to us. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayer and comfort her in her journey. In your holy name, we pray. Amen and amen. I sent that to her, and yesterday she sent the message back. Hi, cowboy. I read your message yesterday. I've been thinking all night on how to respond. A simple thank you is not sufficient. I have never had anything touch me the way your prayer has. Nobody has ever taken the time to do that for me. It filled me with hope and love. I'm printing and framing it and putting it next to my bed so I can read it whenever I want. I can honestly say that you've changed and made a wonderful impact on my life. You and Dawn are truly one of a kind. I love you both with all my heart. We have no idea what a small prayer can do in a person's life. Reach out. You feel an urge? Do it. Don't hesitate. There's so many we meet every day that come to us and say, boy, I need prayer for this. Stop and pray for them right on the spot. Don't wait. Touch their life with that prayer. And let the Lord lead and do the work. To God be the glory. Thank you. Oh, should we pray? Amen. Your God has given us a lot of promises of prayer. 
way too broad a subject for me to cover today, but let me just read you a few of them. Matthew 7, 7 and 8, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And to one who knocks it will be opened. John 15, 7 says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. 1 John 5, 14 and 15, And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of him. As I read God's promises regarding prayer, I feel like a child walking into a candy store and seeing a sign that says, Ask and you shall receive. I know it's not quite that simple. But at the same time, I believe that I am often guilty of trying to bring God's promises down to my level of faith. Instead of asking God to increase my faith to take hold of the wonderful promises he's made. I read something in E.M. Bounds' little book called The Possibilities of Prayer. And he says this, he says, The utmost possibilities of prayer have rarely been realized. His promise to answer and to do and to give all things, anything whatsoever and all things whatsoever are so large, so great, so exceeding broad that we stand back in amazement and give ourselves to questioning and doubt. We stagger at the promises through unbelief. Really, the promises of God to prayer have been pared down by us to our little faith and have been brought down to the low level of our narrow notions about God's ability, liberality, and resources. Let us ever keep in mind and never for one moment allow ourselves to doubt the statement that God means what he says in all of his promises. God's promises are his word. We all know that God's word has what I would call prerequisites for effective prayer. You know, he says, if I abide in the vine, in him, in Christ, and let his words abide in me, then he says, ask, and it will be given to you. Please bear with me as I encourage you week after week to hide God's word in your heart. I'm passionate about it because I feel like I'm just beginning to experience in my life from practicing this discipline for 60 years what it means. As we immerse ourselves in the word of God, our prayers become more aligned with the will of God. And those are the prayers that 1 John 5 says that he hears when I pray according to the will of God. I know we must pray from a pure heart. Psalm 66, 18 says, If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have hurt me. But you know what the next verse says? It says, But the Lord has surely listened and heard my voice in prayer. James 5, 16 drives this point home when it says, 
the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. God calls us to pray. We memorized Colossians 4 too, or at least we're getting close to it. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Romans 12 echoes it. He's listing a variety of things, but he says one of them, be faithful in prayer. Ephesians 6 says, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Why does the sovereign God, almighty God, call you and me to pray? I don't fully know. He doesn't need our help. Yet he has invited us to be a part of his work in this world through prayer. So should we pray? I hope you agree the answer is yes. But question number two. Are we praying? Now I need to be careful right now. This is a place where I could make you feel really guilty. That's not my goal. So instead, I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you for praying. Much of those, many of those prayers happen in private places where God has said for us to go. In Matthew 6, 6, he says, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So I just want to give a few thank yous for all of those times you spend in those private places. And I also, well, I also want to thank Pastor Jonathan and my friend Steve Roby for meeting with me every Tuesday afternoon in that little room over there and praying for this church family. Such a special time. But thank you to every small group that meets to faithfully pray. Thank you to the men that were out here this morning at 7.30 out here in the RTC building praying every week. Thank you to the group that meets at your house, Larry. You know, one time I had to deliver something to their house. To Robert, he was there praying with Larry. Dawn was outside working in the yard and she said, well, go on in. And so I just went in quietly. There was earnest prayer going around that table. Larry didn't even know I was there. I left what I left for Robert and, and left. The prayers just kept going. Thank you to every small group that prays. Thank you to my brothers that serve on the elder team for making prayer for this church family the number one item on our agenda every meeting. 
Thank you, parents and grandparents, that pray for your children and your grandchildren. Thank you, church family, for praying for your leaders and for one another. The list could go on. Thank you for what you are doing. I know you are praying. But my third and final question that each of us need to ask is what does it mean for me to be devoted to prayer? What's my next step? Just ask yourself. Perhaps I touched on something in that list that God is stirring in your heart that you, you feel you ought to do or participate in or be involved with. Not feeling guilty. That's only feeling bad for what I'm not doing. But I want you to feel the conviction of God's spirit this morning that moves me to put into practice what I've heard from his word. Please, this morning, I just ask you, hear God's call from Colossians 4.2. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the privilege it is to come to your throne, to realize that the, the doorway is opened to us as your children because of Jesus. And God, I just thank you that you are such a loving, caring Father that wants to know all of our joys, all of our sorrows. You care about the details of our lives. Thank you for that invitation to come. And thank you for that promise that you hear and you answer. Oh God, I know it's a mysterious thing. You don't answer, answer sometimes when we want it or how we want it. and Sometimes we feel very confused and we don't understand. But God, thank you for wanting wanting to and giving us what you know is best and right and perfect in your plan. God, I know your ways are higher than our ways. But Lord, I trust you today. And God, I pray you would just stir us. Stir us to be faithful in prayer as we move forward. To your glory, I pray in Jesus' name.